Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I'm Matt Lyle, and this is day five of Coffee with Coach Lyle, where I help coaches, parents, and players around the world tackle the challenges of life in athletics. So, hey, I just wanted to thank everyone before we get started for tuning in all week. We reached over 100,000 uh, views this week on the show in just four days, so thank you so much for tuning in. I uh, just I really appreciate that for those who have shared it and liked it and uh so, and also yesterday, because we reached our goal of shares, Tad Kern was the winner of my uh, signed copy of my book, Dear Coach. That's going out in the mail today to Tad, so thank you for that. Uh, and I, just want to, I really want to make these mornings really interactive and really helpful for you guys. So this morning, uh, as you're tuning in, uh, today's goals are 250 likes. And 50 shares. And if we get to that 50 shares, I'm gonna I'm gonna send a signed copy of Dear Coach to a random winner. So uh, hit that share button so others can can learn about this show, and hit that like button as well. And our goals are 250 likes and 50 shares today. And uh, so I appreciate everyone who's been interactive with that and has been clicking that. So thank you everybody very much. Uh, this morning, the one question I have for you guys as you get tuned in, uh, I want to know. What's the one show that you got into this quarantine season? And I, I, for our family, I know when the kids went to sleep, we finally got on the couch, got to watch some shows. For us, it was Tiger King. That show was insane. Uh, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan thing, we really watched that. So I want to hear from you this morning as you're tuning in. Uh, what was the one show that you got into this quarantine? So uh, again, good morning, everyone. If you're just tuning in, it's the Coach uh, Coffee with Coach Lyle show. Uh, Cornelio, good morning. Thanks for tuning in. Jeff, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Love the music. Hey, um, thank you very much for that, too. It took me a long time to try to find a uh, intro music that, that people would like. And so, Brandy, good morning. Michael, good morning, too. Marilyn, good morning from South Africa. Thank you. I, Marilyn, let me know what, what time is it there. Um, I got to guess it's uh, mid-afternoon, maybe. So, thank you for tuning in. Angelo, good morning. Thank you, everybody. Amber, I appreciate that. Love, love, love this page. Your post thoughts. Uh, having three kids who are deeply involved in sports, your page has taught me a lot. And, I, and that's kind of the goal of this whole thing. The goal of this show, the goal of my social media is to try to help parents who uh, are trying to navigate sports. So uh, Amber says she's, she got into the show Animal Kingdom. Uh, nice. Scott says, uh, Last Dance by far, you watched it twice. It is an incredible, incredible series. Uh, Evie says, Last Chance You. Uh, Evie, I'll, I'll tell you what. Last Chance You is one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm actually friends with a couple people, thanks to social media from that show. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to do an entire show about Last Chance You because I think uh, I love the idea of Last Chance You. It's just not executed well. Good morning to Don. Good morning, Ed. Uh, good morning to Jeff. And uh, Gary. Gary, I started the show. Art Ozark. Kim saying Ozark as well. I started it. My wife tapped out after one episode, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying it uh, by myself. So uh, a lot of good shows. Uh, Michael says Shit's Creek is a show that he got into. Uh, so we watched the entire series over quarantine. I think it was five seasons, uh, going into six seasons now. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. And if you're just tuning in, uh, this is the Coffee with Coach Lyle show. It runs for about a, an hour uh, weekdays from seven to eight a.m. Pacific time. We've got some goals today of 200 likes and 50 shares. And if we get to 50 shares, I'm going to send out a signed copy of my book, Dear Coach. So good morning, everyone. Uh, today, this morning, we're going to talk about a few different things. So we're going to talk about 
calling BS on your coach. We're going to talk about calling BS on your coach. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about a junior college coach who shares a nightmare email uh, from, from a parent. And our main topic today is how to choose the right travel ball team for your kid and your family. And then we're going to go into Q&A session. And I want the Q&A session today, if we can, to be around that, you know, around uh, uh, questions around travel ball and rec ball and should I do that and what age and stuff like that. So I want you to think about that. Our Q&A session will be at the very end, but I want to help you guys navigate that as much as I can. <clears throat> uh, and then uh, again, at the very end after that, we'll do a Q&A session and uh, we'll wrap up our day. So again, good morning, everybody. I appreciate everyone t tuning in. Uh, South Florida, I mean, people all around the world have been tuning in from Holland. Uh, we've got South Africa. This is awesome. So uh, I really appreciate it very much. Uh, and this morning, I asked everyone, what show did they watch over quarantine? I know uh, Tiger King was really popular. Ozark, The Last Dance. These are a lot of the shows that a lot of families were, were doing. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, calling BS. Okay. So this morning, uh, I wanted you guys to understand. I, I, t I always tell our hitters, I tell all new players I coach, uh, you can always call BS with me. When I got introduced to the team at Fresno state, the very first thing I said to them, very first thing after I introduced myself was you can always call BS with me. And what I mean by that is that if you don't understand what I'm teaching you, if you don't understand what I'm coaching you, if I'm not communicating it correctly, or your dad disagrees with it, your travel ball coach disagrees with it, your hitting coach disagrees, your pitching coach, uh, your private coach disagrees with what you're saying, you need to call BS on me. You need to ask me, coach, why am I doing this? And I would tell you that the, in the culture that I grew up and played, up, played in, you weren't allowed to do that. It was my way or the highway. Uh, you know, we've done it this way. So Every drill and everything I teach you has a purpose. And if you disagree with it or don't understand, I need to explain it to you in a way that you do. So you'll never hear me say, because that's the way we do it. I will never say that to an athlete. Uh, I, I tell them they can always call BS on me. So call BS on me uh, and I will always explain things to you. If I can't do a good job of that, I'm not a very good coach. Uh, I think the same thing goes with parenting. You know, I, I, I know for me, I, I've said it many times, my parents coined the phrase because I said so. Uh, and I understand that. I totally get why parents do that. Um, but got to understand that, you know, from a buy-in standpoint, so I'm going to I'm going to speak strictly, strictly to coaching from a buy-in standpoint and an understanding standpoint by allowing your players to call BS and being able to explain to them in a way that they understand their buy-in and understanding of the topic is going to be 10 times higher than it would be if you said, because I said so, or because that's the way we've always done things here. And so if you're a coach, I want to encourage you to, to adopt this, this methodology, to adopt this philosophy of you can always call BS. Now, the only rule I have with my players, I tell them, is that when we're in practice in a group setting, don't call BS in that setting. Wait until we're an individual or wait till after practice or wait till it's a better time. But um, if you are really like, hey, man, and I've, I've had this happen. I had this happen this year in college. I've had a lot of players say this to me as well. Coach, you know, I've been doing it this way this long. Uh, my old coach told me to do it this way. I don't really understand. Or they, or they just disagree. Uh, you know, one of my major league baseball players that I worked with for a long time, and he's he's been in, he's made the All Star game. The very first time I went to coffee with him at Starbucks to meet him with his agent, 
I explained to him what was wrong with his swing, and he looked at me. He's like, "I totally disagree." And six months later, <clears throat> and we and we parted ways. And I said, "Okay, sounds good, man. Take care." And we parted ways. And six months later, he called me. He said, "Ah, maybe you're right." And so, I just want to encourage you guys: uh, allow your uh, student athletes to call BS. Uh, allow, uh, if you're a parent, you know, tr- as best as you can, uh, to help them understand why we do the things that we do. Uh, and, and I always allow them to call BS whenever I'm coaching something. And I'll tell you what, since I've adopted that philosophy, I've seen the success and the buy-in, the trust, the relationship with my student athletes, uh, skyrocket. So I want to, I just want to encourage everybody, uh, in that. So that's my philosophy on calling BS. And, and I'd love to hear what you guys think about that philosophy. If you agree with it or disagree with it, but that's uh, that's what I think. So, uh, again, good morning, everyone. Episode five of the Coffee with Coach Lyle show. Um, I, we've reached over a hundred thousand views in the first four days. It's just been incredible support. I appreciate everybody, especially on the West Coast, getting up early with me. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we've got a goal of two hundred and fifty likes today. Two hundred and fifty likes. We're at. I'm looking up the scoreboard. And it says eighty-one right now, which is incredible. Thanks for hitting that like button. And we're trying to get to fifty shares. Yesterday, we got to 60 shares, and so I gave away a signed copy of my book, uh, Dear Coach, t- to Tad. That's going out in the mail today. So if you if you like the show, if you think this it's, it's uh, helping you guys out in any way, uh, please hit that share button. Let let your people know that, uh, that it's something you enjoy. So uh, that's our opener for today. Call BS on your coach. Let your kids call BS on you, and you're going to be able to help uh, a lot more coaches. So... A uh, real quick question from Ashley this morning. She says, Coach, how do you back up when you teach when, a, when an athlete calls BS? Uh, you learn it. You, 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 you know, for me, uh, I'm an expert in, 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 I've been doing it for 20 years, so I better have an answer for it. If I tell someone to do something, I better know how to explain it and I better know why we do it. If I don't know why we do it, why am I telling this kid to do something? So, uh, and the answer, and I'll tell you this, if I tell a kid uh, to do something and they call BS and I don't have a good reason for why, I'm going to be honest and transparent and say, hey, you know what? I don't really know why. That's just the way I've been taught, but I'm going to I'm gonna do some research on this. I'm going to find out, uh, and I can tell you right now, if you have that approach with your with your with the kids that you coach, um, they're going to trust you a lot more than you trying to fake it that you know uh, a certain topic. I know I know a lot of you know a lot of coaches that don't do a very good job of um, you know being transparent in their coaching. They come off really fake, and and kids don't trust them because of that. So um, Scott says the philosophy BS is key. It shows coach. It's human and it makes coach more approachable and it builds positive, open communication and relationships. I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I, Scott, I think that's a great uh, point there about that. Uh, Don says, I agree about the BS and especially the part about not doing it in the middle of a drill unless all the players happen to be confused. Yeah, and there always, there's always exceptions to the rule. If I'm explaining something and it's over everyone's head, I, w- I would love for one of my players to stand up and... Um, and do that. Good morning, Shappy. Thanks for joining in, buddy. I appreciate you tuning in this morning. Uh, and again, uh, sa- save your Q and A's for for later. Uh, we get to our Q and A session. I'll get into that. But I, I kind of just want to get your thoughts on the on the BS thing, calling BS on your coach. 
Uh, good morning from New Jersey. I call BS a lot. We talk to our boys about right and wrong from certain coaches. Agree, you must be knowledgeable if you're going to teach kids. And the one thing I'll say about this is if you're coaching youth kids, you know, uh, if you get wrangled into coaching soccer and you know nothing about soccer, that's okay. You can, you know, just do the best you can and, and try to learn a little bit and teach a little bit um, and be okay with, hey, I've never taught this before. I want to learn and have the learning posture versus the, you know, uh, demeaning, demanding posture that uh, you do. So, um Amber says, our amazing coaches always said, I will never ask you to do something I myself can't do. We play soccer. And that's a, I know that's a quote from uh, Michael Jordan talks about that a lot. He'll never, he never asked his teammates to do things that he, didn't, that he couldn't do. And so uh, that's great. Ken says, agreed, communication, feedback, and constructive criticism are key to a healthy relationship in general. So totally agree with that. Uh, Jeff says, I'm a bowling coach. I've seen plenty of times where another coach needs to be called BS, either on him or her. And I tell you, in every sport across the board, uh, swimming to uh, you name it, uh, we know a lot of coaches that probably need to be called BS on. And, and I hope more kids uh, start doing that a little bit more. Uh, Jessica makes a good point. She says, athletes are more invested in you as a coach and the team overall if they feel like they have a voice because it allows for more trust. Open communication is always the way to go. Amen. Totally agree with that, 100%. Uh, and so that's good. And Mike Marks, says, I really like this idea of uh, calling BS. Uh, and Casey has a great question. Does calling BS extend to players, uh, parents as well? Uh, we'll break into, the, we'll get into that a little bit more in the Q and A session if you want to ask that again. So um, that's great. And then our last comment before we move on: uh, Antonio, accountability has to start from the top. Coaches need to be continuously learning. I absolutely agree. Um, Coaches across the board need to continue to be learning. Parents, we need to continue to be learning better ways to, to parent our kids and coach our kids as well. So um, so that's my whole philosophy on uh, calling BS on your coach and, and allowing your student-athletes to be call it, called BS, calling BS. So again, if you're just tuning in, um, we're in the middle of the episode five of the Coffee with Coach Lyle show. My scoreboard says 149 likes already this morning. Thank you very much. We're trying to get to 250 likes. We're trying to get to over 50 shares. We got over 60 yesterday. And if we do, I'm going to send a signed copy uh, randomly to somebody um, of my book, Dear Coach. So uh, thanks for doing that. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. I, re I really appreciate it. So uh, the next thing we're going to get into this morning, uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, is, uh, is the, my book, Dear Coach. And every morning we've been reading uh, one story out of Dear Coach every day. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this segment. Uh, I would be I want to hear from you guys. Is this something you guys like? Do you enjoy the, the different stories reading, uh, the, the crazy parent emails? And so Dear Coach is a book I wrote last June. It's real emails from parents behaving badly on the field, at home, and obviously behind their computer screens. Uh, I know a lot of you have a lot of experience with either uh, receiving crazy emails or sending crazy parent emails uh, throughout the years. And so I finally decided to do a book about them, sharing them, and, and everyone shared a lot of great stories. And uh, so we've got a really cool um, book called Dear Coach that uh, shares these stories. So let's get into our story of the day. And today's story of the day comes from a junior college coach, uh, and so I want to just kind of read you guys uh, this story here. So, To Coach Lyle at CoachLyle.com, from coach at somejuniorcollege.edu, subject, superiority complex. 
Dear Coach Lyle, I am a junior college softball coach and I wanted to share this story in email. At our regional tournament banquet, all of the region's top players are voted on by the coaches and are given their awards. Coaches cannot vote for their own players. After the tournament, a parent sent this email to every coach in the region. Dear coaches, I cannot believe you did not pick my daughter to be on the first team all-region team. Alexa and Carly are half the players that my daughter is. You must be blind to give them the award over my daughter, who is clearly better. Our team was ranked higher and her stats were better. This is sinful. Can you really tell me Alexa, who is on the worst team in the region, deserves this over my daughter? No. You guys should all be ashamed of yourselves for your choices. I don't know how you can be considered head coaches for a college program. Anyone with two good eyes could have picked my daughter over the two rec ball kids. Sincerely, dad with the better daughter. And this is a note from the coach. And the coach's note says, her stats were better overall, but against our region's opponents, they were not. And she had 17 errors, 10 more than the other two girls he mentioned. Not one of the seven coaches replied. So the father decided to email them all again, upset that they hadn't responded. Amazing. And here's a great graphic that Wes Molbash drew for this one. Not choosing my daughter for our uh, first region team is sinful, but it's sinful. So uh, I just thought that was a really, really funny uh, story that she shared with us on that. So uh, thanks to the coach that shared that with me. And you got to understand, parents, if you have young kids, like this doesn't stop in college. It doesn't stop. It doesn't even stop at the major league level. Okay, I can tell you right now, the parents' emails. And the parents, uh, parent, crazy parent stories, I've seen them even at the major league level. So uh, just want you guys to understand that that is not, uh, not a crazy thing. So, um, you know, we've still got some crazy parent emails coming in. Uh, thank you to uh, Q who said that she got the book this, um, she got this book this Tuesday. And so I appreciate that. John, I appreciate you saying that you love this section of the show. Um, and I appreciate you guys uh, saying that. So, also, you can submit uh, you can submit emails to me. Okay, uh, it's dearcoach at coachlyle.com. If you've got a crazy story to share, I always change the names so that everyone is innocent. Uh, and so, I appreciate that very much uh, in doing that. So, crazy, crazy parents. So if you're just joining us, we just got done with our Dear Coach segment uh, where I read crazy parent emails and stories. Uh, and today is Friday, June 5th, episode 5. Uh, every weekday, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here, sharing some coffee with you guys, sharing some stories, trying to help you guys uh, navigate youth sports and parenting. Uh, our goals for today were 250 likes and 50 shares. As I look up at the board, I see 210 likes right now, which is incredible. So I think we're going to get to 300 likes today. Uh, if, if you're just tuning in, hit that like button. Let us know that you're here. Uh, and again, I appreciate that very much. So uh, I'll keep those stories coming. For those who have ordered the book, thank you so much. If you really want to help support the book, the best thing you can do is go back into Amazon and, and review it. Uh, leave a five-star review if you really liked it. If you were going to leave anything less than a five-star review, don't leave a review, okay? Uh, five stars only, or uh, as my mom used to say, if you have nothing nice to say, keep it to yourself. So I'm um, just kidding you with that. 
So let's get into our main topic this morning. I want to get into our main topic a lot. And t- today's main topic is about travel ball. And, th- and what I mean by that is how to pick the right travel ball for your team, kid, uh, and for your family. Should I play travel ball? Uh, I want to get into those things. So today's topic, main topic that we're going to get into for quite a time, long time um, is travel ball. We're going to do a Q&A after that session. So I would recommend leaving a question uh, for that time. Uh, and if it can revolve around travel ball, that, that would be great for everyone who's tuning in this morning about that. So today's topic is uh, how to pick the right travel ball team. And so there's so many things that go into travel ball. You know, our kids uh, and what age, and I, I'll start right there. What age should I consider it? And it really is dependent on your kid. Uh, it, it can also be dependent on your, the area that you live uh, you know, in some areas, there's there's really not great coaching. There's not great rec ball programs. Where in other other places the, in the world, there are really good rec programs and lower cost options. And so, uh, I would recommend doing rec ball as long as you can with your kid because going on take t- crossing the bridge over into travel ball is a huge commitment for any sport. So, you understand that travel ball, select ball, and soccer call it. It's a double-edged sword. It's a blessing and a curse. You know, it represents this higher standard of competition, uh, commitment, dedication, and honestly, it's a huge commitment in, the ter- in terms of time and money. Huge commitment in, t- in terms of time and money. So, and honestly, it's kind of sad <clears throat> for a lot of us growing up. Our neighborhood little leagues and our neighborhood leagues, uh, you know, you play on the same team that you go to school with this kid, that you play outside with, and this the, the neighborhood teams have kind of gone away, and in a lot of neighborhoods in America, not everywhere, but in a lot of places, and it's just kind of sad, and it's it kind of gone is the the uh, just playing for the joy of the game and, and playing with your neighborhood kids, and now everyone's chasing a national ranking. I'm my kids ranked this, or my team is ranked this. And it's just in the last ten years or so, it's just it's just gotten out of control. And you know, one of my concerns with travel ball is really about just the mental health uh, of kids too, and the emotional health uh, of them because the demands of it. The parents, I mean, for those of you who have gone on to to travel ball, you know how you know intense it is and how uh, crazy it can be. Uh, you know, a lot of the stories in my book, Dear Coach are about travel ball and travel ball parents and the expectations around that. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough. And I, you know, for me, I, I want to make sure that parents are aware of what it looks like, what the commitment is like, uh, is it worth it? And you gotta understand that like from a development standpoint, you've got the Bryce Harper's of the world. Okay. Bryce Harper, one of the best players in the world. I played against him when he was 14, 15 years old. And he, I felt like he could have been a major leaguer right then. But for most kids, from a development standpoint, you know, if you watch the last dance with Michael Jordan on ESPN, he didn't he didn't make the varsity team early on. Scottie Pippen was an equipment manager, okay, and ended up making more money than all of us will ever make in our lifetime. So, you know, uh, I, there's other stories of Roger Clemens and other guys who, you know, didn't bloom until they were 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the kids that I've recruited at, in coaching didn't really develop until they're 14, 15, 16 years old. So if you're starting to specialize really early, uh, you might be, you might hinder that a little bit. And so understanding that it takes time uh, to do that. So for me, uh, you know, I want to talk about how to pick the right travel ball program for your kid. And, and what does that look like? 
And to me, the biggest things that, that I think you guys need to understand is that it's going to cost you a lot of money. You know, the, the cost of travel ball have just skyrocketed over the last few years. I know teams that are charging five to ten thousand dollars a year, sometimes more. Uh, I would be curious for some of those who want who would like to share. You know, share with us. You know, if you're on a travel ball team right now, you know, and I'm not talking about just the cost of the team, equipment. You know, softball and baseball bats are four hundred dollars now. For if you want the good ones, gloves are three four hundred dollars. Uh, travel hotels. I've heard a family say they spent $20,000 a year on uh, travel ball. You know, I, I can tell you right now, I'm the oldest of seven kids. My dad was a refinery worker. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I never, I would have never been able to play travel ball, okay? And I'm thankful that the rec leagues that existed and the travel ball wasn't around at the time because I wouldn't have been able to play them. There's just no way uh, without either fundraising or working. You know, I went to a private high school, and my mom had to volunteer uh, a lot at that high school to, to let me go there. And so, uh, you know, if you are on travel ball program right now and you're paying a lot of money, you know, let the other parents know in this comment section, you know, what is the commitment for time and money? And, and, and I, to me, that's the biggest thing I would, that's the first thing I would decide, hey, can we afford this? Is this something that would be good for us um, from a, just a money standpoint? And then for me, uh, the first thing that I'm going to choose if I choose a travel ball program um, is going to be about development. And so when I say choose development, I'm referring to is it coach, good coaches who are actually going to develop my kids? And I'm not talking about just on the field. I'm talking about off the field as well, the way they talk to them, the culture of the program, the culture of the, de- of the person coaching, the mom or the dad that's coaching this program or, or private instructor who's, who's coaching this program. So if you're just playing for, if you're playing for other reasons, uh, it's not worth the money. I want, I want coaches that are going to actually develop my kid, make them better, teach them life lessons. And so... Uh, for me, choosing development would be the first thing uh, that I would talk about. And for me, a big part of a uh, big part of that is choosing practice over games. So if you're on a travel ball team and you guys play 90% of the time and practice 10% of the time, you are on the tra- long travel ball team. Okay, teams that are play 150, 200 games all year, this is not developing your kids. It might be fun if you're wanting just fun and you want to draw, t- throw a ton of money at it. Awesome. Keep doing that, but um, choose practice over games. And that, what I mean by that is choose development. Choose uh, de- development over that. So I appreciate everybody chiming in on on what they paid. Casey says $3,500 all in, and I feel fortunate. Others have it much worse. Travis says he's got two, pays $2,000 in fees. Chris says with hotels, meals, and fees, we are probably $6,000 to $8,000 a year. And that's That's... That's not that's not an easy thing. My uh, Trisha says my twelve year old plays travel hockey and it's about ten thousand dollars a year. That's with equipment, hotels, food, etc. Again, and we love our kids. We want to give them everything. And if you have the resources to do that, that's great. But not everybody does. So um, you just be aware that if you're thinking about travel ball, if you're thinking about doing it, just understand that there are some serious serious costs. Uh, and you know, for a lot of people, twenty five hundred dollars for the year doesn't include uniforms and equipment. Uh, includes tournaments and practices, so that really helps. And sometimes, if you help coach, you can get a discount. So you know, there's all kinds of different uh, costs over there. Evie says they spend eight to ten thousand dollars per year with two kids. Um, 
So I mean that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty common anywhere between five and twelve thousand uh, dollars for the year. Like I said, I've heard people saying upwards of twenty thousand dollars. So um, you know, thanks for everybody for chiming in on their thoughts on on what it probably costs. Antonio says probably close to five thousand dollars a year, lessons, equipment, travel. So. Just understand, when we talk about uh, the price of travel ball, uh, it's, it, it is no joke, uh, the cost of it. Uh, second thing for me is, is, is if I'm choosing a team, I'm choosing integrity. I want coaches that are ethical, who make good choices, who talk to my kids the right way. Uh, you know... Uh, we talked about we talked about this, about esports the other day. Is you know what is the cost if I go to practice and the coach is a good coach in the sense of uh, skills, but is a terrible person and a terrible person to my kid uh, and has a terrible culture. I don't want my kid around that. I don't care how good the coach is. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen for me. So, uh, you know, for me, choose integrity. Uh, I think for me, that's a big thing that we've got to really do a good job of is, is choosing uh, integrity coaches and then. You know, one of the things that I, I didn't really touch on is the time commitment. I think a lot of parents don't realize how much commitment travel ball uh, is to uh, to their families and the, the hours that put in every weekend for some people. Uh, sometimes some teams are practicing four or five days a week or playing four or five days a week. So make sure that you are ready to make that time commitment, let alone the, the financial commitment that it takes uh, for that because... It is no joke. I've coached travel ball for many years. High school baseball is, is where I coached travel ball. I coached at a really high level. We played in national championships, playing and also just at a, at a, at a, at a local level. So uh, it's no joke. And make sure that you pick a team that's really good at communication. Okay, communication is key. Uh, as many of you know, communication is key. You know, for me, um, you know, one of the things that I know many coaches or uh, many parents get frustrated with is you you sign up for a team or a high school team or a team and there's no communication. There's no emails. You don't know what's going on. Uh, and uh, communication is really bad. To me, that's really frustrating as a parent. I can tell you right now, not knowing what's going on, communication, tournaments, hotels, things like that. If you're not telling me what's communicating really well, what's going on, uh, so that that's a big red flag for me to be a part of this program. You got to have someone on your staff that's that's really good at communicating. And then, you know, I think the next part that I think a lot of people want to talk about is the exposure part. As as they get into older kids, fourteen uh, U and up, um, you know, the, I want to be I want to get a good exposure. And so, for me, the thing I want to talk about um, a lot right now is is playing time. Okay, so let's talk about playing time versus exposure and top of the line programs. Choose playing time over exposure. Let me say this again. Choose playing time over exposure. A lot of kids, a lot of families sign up for a travel ball team because they've got this big name. They've got a huge roster and their kids never play. This is not developing their kids. This is not making them better. It's not giving them exposure. Okay, so my advice is play on a team that gives you the most playing time for the most exposure uh, balance as you possibly can. Okay, so if the best team in the country asks you to play for them, cool. But if you never see the field ever, that's not getting you exposed. That's not getting you any looks uh, from a recruiting standpoint. So that's not a good fit for you. Travel ball, especially at the younger levels, is all about playing time, about experience on the field, game-like experience. So... I don't care if you're 8U, 12U, 16U. If you're on a team that you ride the bench, you are on the wrong team. And and 
uh, if you're on a team with a huge roster, you're on the wrong team. Uh, those teams are, are usually money makers for those for those coaches, and they're not uh, they're not designed for the student athletes. So, for me, I want I want my kid to play as much as possible. I want them to get developed really well. And the bonus is the exposure piece. And again, there is advantages to being on a good team. For example, I'll give you an example in softball. The top teams in the country, they usually do the best. They last the longest in the tournament. And as they get to the championship rounds, they do get more exposure. Now, if you're playing on the field in those games, you do get a lot of exposure. So if, you're, if you feel like you can get on the field on those top teams, go for it. That's a, those are great teams for you. But if you're, on the, if you're in the dugout or on the bench during that entire game, there's no, there's, college coaches aren't excited about that. They're not, they're not watching you just because your name is on the roster. So make sure that you choose playing time over prestige of a program. And uh, unless you really, really like the program in the sense of their development, they develop their players really well. But you know, for me, make sure that that roster size is really small. For baseball, softball, especially younger ages, you know, 12 kids, 13 kids, depending on the pitching situation. But if you're if you're on a travel ball team that has 18 to 20 kids, 25 kids, 30 kids, uh, I hope your kid's one of the five to nine best players on that team, or you're in deep trouble. So, uh, if you're just tuning in uh, this morning, we've been talking a lot about travel ball, how to pick the right travel ball team. Uh, I'm going to answer uh, questions questions all about travel ball and how to pick the right travel ball team in a few minutes. Uh, I'm check, checking the scoreboard right now. 335 likes this morning, breaking the record for this show. Thank you guys so much. Maybe we'll even get to 400 likes this morning. So. If you're just tuning in, we're trying to get to uh, now. We're trying to get to 400 likes this morning. This has been incredible. I'm gonna keep pushing you guys. 400 likes this morning. Uh, hit that like button. If we get to over 50 shares, I'm gonna pick from random someone to send a signed copy of my book. Congrats to Tad who won it yesterday. I think we got 61 shares uh, during yesterday's show. So we're gonna go into our Q&A session next. Uh, I wanted to share a couple of funny things. So I want you to think about your question for uh, Q&A time. And I just thought it was really funny. Uh, I thought it was really funny, a couple of things here. So, uh, oh, <clears throat> here's a comic that I've always really enjoyed. Uh, the uh, guy at the service station for the car says, I think we have a mistake here in your service records. Your car is a year old, yet it has 500,000 miles on it. And then he responds with, my daughter is on a travel softball team. So my, uh, one of my questions I have for you at the end of the show, if you, or you can put it right now, is how many miles do you think you put on your car a year uh, for you travel ball parents out there? How many miles do you think you put on your car per year? Uh, I thought that was a really funny comic. So, and then another thing, though, this, this always cracked me up, this meme. If you've played travel ball for a while, you have older kids, you know exactly what this is about. And this meme says, travel ball, I can't believe we drove 400 miles to play against a team that's 15 minutes from my house. And I, I can tell you right now, I've, I have played across the country. I've played in Florida. Uh, we're from California, and we've played another Bay Area team in California. So I know many of you have probably done the same thing. So um, that's great. So get your questions ready. Today's Q&A session as we go on. Uh, you can ask any question you want, parenting, coaching, anything you want. But we are really going to get into uh, travel ball questions if it's a good idea. Uh, if that's good for you. Evie says, love the book, thinking of writing one from a teacher's perspective. Oh, I, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I think that's a really good idea. So I'm going to put the shot clock on for Q&A right now. We're going to get into our Q&A session. It's 15 minutes long. 
And so let's get into that right now. Shot clock is up for Q&A. Uh, let's get your questions in right now. Ashley says, I coach high school softball. How do you get rid of the divide between travel ball teams? Like, for example, team A doesn't like team B, and they can't play together because they played another team. How do you get parents to get over that? To me, the biggest thing when it comes to anything like that is communication. If you have problems with certain players and you know who they are, bring them together. Let's talk about this. Why is there a divide? And to me, honestly, most of the issues that we have is behind the keyboard. It's, it's behind closed doors. But when you expose it out in the open, you shine light on it, you talk about it, you communicate, those problems usually go away. So uh, for me, my best advice for that is to bring them together, ask them, what's going on with this? And, and talk to them about it and communicate about it. And to me, 99% of the time when you do that, um, it does it. So uh, thank you to everybody. We're at 509 likes this morning. Hit Everyone who hit that like button, incredible. Really appreciate everyone tuning in this morning. Uh, it seems like this is a topic that people are enjoying. So uh, Elizabeth says, last summer we drove 8,000 miles. She played in the Little League World Series. Congratulations to your daughter. That's got to be an incredible experience. It was a dream of mine as a kid. We started in Houston, went to New Mexico, then straight to Washington. That was a long trip. So that's really cool. Congrats on that. Um, Brad asks, being from Canada, the college fees are enormous, and we are aware that full ride are not as common as people think. A good compromise for Canadian players is JUCO. What do you think about JUCO? I think JUCO is great across the board. Baseball, softball, soccer, football. JUCO is a great route. Um, I, I have uh, some of my siblings that played, you know, I had five siblings that played college sports, and almost all of them, almost all of them, um, played at the JUCO level at first. And so the JUCO level is a great way, low-cost way. So I highly recommend the JUCO route. Uh, Joe asks, practice over games. What's your recommendation on amount of games that should be played per month? We are 10U. Joe, to me, that would be, you know, one or two games a weekend. Uh, you know, it really depends on the kids and the parents that you have. Uh, you know, I just don't think playing 10 games every week is good for our kids. I just don't, I don't see that. I, I just don't see that being a good thing. So, you know, three to four games a weekend, I think, at that age level at the most. Uh, I just I, I can't I, I just can't get on board for playing uh, so many games. Don asks roster size and roles of each player. Uh, again, uh, to me, I'm, I want the, the lowest amount of roster size as possible. I can tell you right now, coaching high school baseball, there are times that we always joked we wish we had nine players. Nine players solves all your problems. Nine pro nine players solves all your problems in baseball and softball. So uh, I think that's pretty funny. Uh, Pablo asks, understanding the money in baseball, what's your take in travel ball and weaving through the daddy coaches, the ex-minor league trainer for hire, big facilities and organizations that are out there? I ask because I see a lot of lost opportunities in shaping athletics out there to be great at life, but they get lost between the cracks. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, the money the money thing in, in, in youth sports is, is pretty crazy right now. It, it, uh, there's a lot of people that take advantage of it. Uh, a lot of people that rip people off. I would tell you that there, but there are also a lot of great coaches out there. There are a lot of great coaches that do a really good job. Um, you know, we'll talk about private instruction another day, maybe uh, Monday morning. We'll talk about private instruction and the cost of that and if it's worth it. So, uh, Christina asked, transitioning from 12 to 14, how do you handle pitchers struggling with the extra three feet? 
Uh, to me, Christina, and I don't know if it's baseball or softball. I'm guessing you're talking about softball. For me, it's practicing it earlier. Uh, it's the same thing we talked about the other day with COVID uh, and returning to play. If your kid hasn't done anything over the last two to three months and you go and play in a tournament this weekend, you're in trouble. You're, you're open to injuries, and it's not going to be good. So uh, how I would transition kids when they go to the next level in baseball, in high school baseball, kids go from these light bats to these heavy bats, and a lot of them get owned really early on. You got to train for six to nine months, 12 months if you can beforehand. So I would recommend practicing at earlier times. Jamie asks, how do you deal with disappointment and loss when traveling to tournaments that are the longest distance away? Uh, again, like I said, for me, I talk to our kids a lot. I just talk to our kids a lot about uh, the life lessons of it, uh, trying to find the, the positives uh, in the experience. Uh, and, and when it comes to the negative parts of the experience, what can we learn about it? Uh, how can we turn adversity into uh, something good? And so I just communicate with them a lot around that. Uh, Elizabeth asks, how do you combat calling BS and not getting them to buy in? I want to use that in my classroom, but can't cut ties with kids in class. Here's what I would say. I, to me, the more transparent you are, the more honest you are with kids, uh, the more they trust you and, and can build a relationship with you. So, um, you know, if a kid's calling BS just to call BS, I'm going to call them to the side and say, hey, man, we know, what's the challenge here? What is going on? Let's get to the root of it. Let's get to the root of what's going on here because... I explained it really well. I know you understand. Uh, and uh, in a classroom setting, uh, if, and if they don't understand, that's a whole different ballgame. But if you know and they've communicated, they, they just don't like it, let's talk about what is the reason why. Maybe there's something else going on in their life. Uh, maybe there's something else that happened between you and that person. And, and so, um, you know, I don't know. Forrest asks, what advice do you have for me for getting back into playing competitive softball after not playing for over a decade and wanting to get back into the game? My best advice, Forrest, is to start practicing. Practice a lot. Work on your development. Uh, find uh, and, and really work on that very much. So that's what my advice is for that. Michael asks, how do you approach the mental side of hitting when a young kid has been hit by a pitch that starts getting away from the plate? Uh, so that's a hard one. Uh, if you play baseball or softball, you know that players, get, especially young players, when they get hit by a pitch or hit by a ball, for a lot of players, they, they get scared, and it can be a long process back to uh, being uh, in there. So we always practice it. If I'm coaching a 8-year-old team, if I'm coaching a 10-year-old team where pitching is starting to happen, uh, we are practicing it. I use a tennis ball or a wiffle ball, and we have a hit-by-pitch station. I teach them the proper way to do it, and I teach them that it's, you know, it's not going to hurt that bad. So we use tennis balls, uh, wiffle balls, and uh, – but. Once, if you practice it and take away some of the fear of it and the hurt of it, um, you know maybe they need to wear a mask uh, if, if their league doesn't already require that. And so I would just talk to them a lot about it. Say, hey, I, there is injuries in sports. There are some sometimes it's going to be hurt, but it's it's worth it. But I'm going to teach you the proper way to do it. And so if you can teach the proper way, um, that's one thing. Adam says, what's the best way to get four and five year olds to have fun on t-ball? So. I've coached t-ball with my kids. I, you know, I have five kids. Uh, my youngest Crosby just turned three, and so t-ball's coming around the corner, and I'm hoping to get to coach that team a little bit. The best way to have fun for t-ball and four and five-year-olds is to make everything fun, make everything really fun. So for throwing drills, I put a helmet on a bucket, and they try to knock that helmet off. Um, you know, uh, 
we try to have really fun stations. Um, you know, I, I hit wiffle balls with a tennis ball, uh, a tennis racket, and make it really easy and soft. You know, everything is about fun. I give out baseball cards at the end of practice and high fives. You know, uh, you know, figure out the most fun way to have it. development means nothing at four or five years old. Okay. Just make it fun, make it as fun as possible. And the best way to do that is to have no standing around. And for me, it's the same at college level. If you come to watch us practice at the college level, every player is busy doing something. There's no one standing around. And for me, from that five-year-old to 12-year-old range and through high school, if you go to a practice and you see that kids are standing around the whole time, they're not going to last in this sport very long. There's nothing worse to me than seeing uh, a youth baseball or softball practice where one kid's getting uh, coached by the ki- uh, coach and every other kid's standing around. If I'm that kid, I'm going to go play soccer. I'm going to go play a, uh, swimming. I'm going to go play something that I'm active the entire time. So if you want more baseball and softball kids playing, make sure that your practices are really broken into small groups. Get as many parents as you can to volunteer. I know that's difficult for a lot of people, so, you know... Uh, do your best to try to recruit some people. Trevor says, do you think players are being, <coughs> excuse me, overused at a young age? And can you explain your interpretation of overuse? <clears throat> excuse me. So Trevor, great name. I have a brother named Trevor. Um, you know, are players being overused? At a, I, I think for kids, you got to understand for a lot of major league players right now, a lot of NBA players right now, the older ones, at least in people my age, we didn't have organized sports uh, the, the way that we do now. We had one or two practices a week at the most, play, play games on the weekends if you play Little League. So we played out in the front yard. We played in the backyard. We were just as active as organized uh, kids. It's just not as regimented. And so it allowed a lot of freedom. And so for me, overuse, especially when it comes to, let's say, baseball and softball, is overuse of arms. That's, that's the biggest thing I think most people are talking about. In other sports, I know there's overuse in, in other areas. I just think when it comes to body development for kids, you got to understand that their brains are still growing, their bodies are still growing, and if we damage that and we don't do a, we don't do a really good job of uh, keeping those kids healthy, <clears throat> I just think it's going to be a really difficult time as they get older. So for me... Uh, overuse can be a personal thing. It can be for different kids. I just think it's about being aware of it. I think it's understanding when your kids are beat, getting beat down. They're they're tired. They're overused. You know, we can see it in the college season. You know, we we practice twenty hours a week and we grind and grind six days a week. You can see when the players are just getting beat up and, and their injuries start to tick up a little bit. They're just more tired. So I just think being really conscious of it, make it a priority to be aware of it. To me, I think that's uh, something that you should really uh, do a good job of. I think that will help. Chris asks, with COVID suspending practice, I've been doing my best to keep my uh, son practicing with pitching, hitting, and fielding. How much should I emphasize practice daily, every other day? Uh, he's 11U travel ball. And my answer for this is always going to be uh, as much as your kid can do that they run it, okay? If I have to force my kid to, to practice, that's already too many times, okay? If I have to beg them to go to the backyard, beg them to go to the garage and go work on their game, the conversation we're having is going to be a lot different. It's going to be about do you really like the sport? Do you, is there another sport that, you'd be, that you would actually practice more? Uh, you know, for me... 
you know, uh, as a kid, I went out into the yard and played in the backyard and played uh, three, four hours a day, every single day, seven days a week. So uh, for me, I like practicing every day. My uh, one of my brothers, uh, Darren, in high school, he would get up at five thirty every morning. He would go out and hit off the tee for like 30, 45 minutes. He would work out for 30, 45 minutes, then shower and get ready for school every day of the week. My parents didn't ask him to do it. They didn't tell him to do it. His coach didn't uh, have a program for him to do it. He just loved the game. So my answer is how much should my kid be practicing? It's how much they love the game. And if and if they love playing every day, awesome. Encourage them to do that. Find ways to make it fun. But if you have to force them to do it, to me... I'm, I'm going to start thinking about, okay, hey, maybe there's a sport or an activity, uh, piano or swimming or lacrosse. You know, for me, I'm trying to get my kids into lacrosse. I think it's a really fun, look, cool sport. Uh, and on the West Coast, it's not really that big, but I think it would be a really fun sport. I wish lacrosse was around on the West Coast when I was around. So that, that would be my answer on that. <clears throat> So we've got just over two minutes left in our Q&A time, and I want to honor that time. So let's see if I can get through as many questions as I can here. Um, John asks, how, do a, how does a player handle a coach that they know is clearly wrong? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say that I would try to have a conversation with this coach. And let's say it's about a, a philosophy uh, as a parent and a, or as a player, I would try to approach that coach as humbly as possible. If you come at them and attack them, most coaches are very defensive. I've been coaching for 30 years. I know the right thing. And who are you to question me? I think there's a way to say, hey, coach, you know, I've been learning this way. What do you think? And, and get feedback from the coach. And if they continue to argue, uh, you know, that's something. If it's a travel ball program and you think it's something that's really important, and the coach is not going to give up on it. For me, I'm choosing another travel ball team. Okay, and that, that's, I know that's a whole other topic. Jumping travel ball teams, we can we can get into that another day. But I want you guys to understand that. For me, uh, if the philosophy is really important to me, my kid is the most important thing, and I'm going to choose a new, another travel ball team at the high school level. Or if, I, or if I can't change teams, you're locked into this team. You don't agree with the coaches. You know, if I'm the parent. I'm going to tell my kid, this is the way I want you to do it. And, you know, here's the thing. If your kid is doing really well, I've never had a coach who, who has had an athlete that has had a lot of success. Uh, if, you've, if you've noticed this at all, they leave those kids alone. Like I said, the best advice I ever got when I first got into coaching was never turn a 400 hitter into a 200 hitter. So if your philosophy is really working really well, that coach is probably going to stay away from you. He's probably not going to bug you. He's not going to tell you you're doing it wrong. Um, but if you're really struggling with it, let's say uh, you, you're, you've got this new method, you know, you think the coach is wrong and it's not working for you, hey, maybe you should be open to the way the coach is doing it. And so uh, I think talking to the coach uh, would be really good. So thank you very much. Uh, as the clock's running out here very much, I'm gonna, I'll answer one more question uh, this morning, and I apologize for not getting to everybody. Um, but, uh, Chris Delaney asks, what age is appropriate to begin teaching mental toughness? That's a great question to me, mental toughness, uh, and dealing with adversity, dealing with failure for me is all about, is all about uh, life lessons. So for me, you should be teaching that at five, six, seven, eight year olds. Okay. Uh, to me, I think that would be that would be really important, and, and I and I apologize for not getting to everybody's Q and A this morning. Uh, we had more questions than we've we've ever had, and, and I'll do my best uh, to get to all of them. But 
I want to talk a little bit more about travel ball before we go this morning. Um, and I want you guys to understand something. So one thing about travel ball, I want to tell you guys a story. In 2003, I can't believe it was 17 years ago, I coached a travel ball team called the Walnut Creek Fighting Squirrels. And I should have put the logo up here. Uh, here, It was an awesome logo. Our town was the Walnut Creek Fighting Squirrels. So Walnut Creek, uh, it was a perfect name. And, uh, and we had a lot of fun for a few years. So the Walnut Creek Fighting Squirrels was a team I, I coached, the first ever travel ball team I coached. And back then, travel ball was basically just locally. And I had kids from the high school that I coached. I had kids from some local high schools, but they all knew each other. Really good chemistry team. We weren't the best team in the area, but we had a lot of fun. So, and parents, there's a lot of lessons in this story I'm going to tell you about travel ball and this travel ball team, the Walnut Creek Fighting Squirrel. So, uh, our fees were really low. I coached the team. I had a couple other coaches. No coach was paid a dime. None of the coaches ever made one uh, penny coaching the Walnut Creek Fighting Squirrels. And... Going into that summer, I, I wanted to do something really fun. I wanted to take this team traveling somewhere. We'd never really gone out of the Bay Area. And I'm a huge Disney fan. I love Disneyland. I, I, there's no shame in my game. I'm a huge, huge Disney fan, Disneyland fan. I'd never been to Disney World. And Disney World, uh, and if you've ever been there, the Wild World of Sports, they were hosting this summer tournament, this really big summer tournament. And I was pretty nervous because our team was, wasn't that good. We had some really good players, but it wasn't a national team. And it cost a lot of money. It was going to cost about $1,000 a kid. And most of my kids were, were from low-income areas. Uh, you know, We didn't have a lot of money on this program. The co- we didn't charge a lot of the fees. I think it was like 50 to 100 bucks to play for the season. You know, We paid for umpires, and that was about it. So I said, let's go to Disneyland. Let's go to Disney World, the wide world of sports. And so uh, we fundraised. We did all this crazy stuff. Uh, we had a we had a we had a team dinner. I mean, you name it. We did all kinds of fundraising uh, things. And so we go. We 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 raise enough money. It's seven days at Disney World. We play for seven days, and you get seven days of passes, all inclusive, food, everything at Disney World. And I can tell you guys right now, as I get more into the story, it was the best coaching trip of my life. Okay, I'm being very clear right now. It was the best coaching trip of my life. We had so much fun in these seven days. And so uh, I just want to share a couple pictures from this trip. This is 17 years ago. So, uh, and, and one of the things that's cool about this trip is that uh, some of the games got to be played in the uh, Atlanta Braves AAA Stadium. As you can see that picture right there, uh, we got to play in the trip. Uh, and back then it was the, it was the Atlanta Braves Spring Training Stadium, which was an incredible stadium. You know, my kids, a lot of my kids will never get to play in a stadium like that again. So just to have that one game in that stadium. Uh, and we, we talk about it 17 years later. These, you know, these guys are, these guys, it was a 16U tournament. These guys are in their 30s now. We talk about that year. We talk about that tournament all the time. So I want you guys to really understand my point when I'm talking about how to pick the right travel ball team. We went to Disney World for seven days, and I, I thought it would be really fun to tell the story. So we get knocked out of this tournament uh, pretty early, and they, they put us in the consolation bracket. So we, we And we, we, we had this conversation, hey, let's try to rally. Let's try to win the consolation bracket. We think it would be really fun to do that. And so uh, we, we kind of fought our way through it, and uh, we end up uh, playing this team uh, from Puerto Rico in the consolation championship, and we end up winning it. And you can see right here on the screen, uh, that, that was our team picture with some of the parents and the cool trophy we got. And uh, I'm telling you guys right now, it was the most life-giving trip I've ever been on. Uh, we had one of our players uh, who broke the record. 
Uh, he had 20 strikeouts uh, in this championship, and he broke the tournament record with 20 strikeouts. It was just an incredible, incredible trip. And so when it comes to picking your travel ball teams, you know, pick the team that's the best for your family, that makes, it, uh, makes incredible life experience. None of those players on that travel ball team played in Major League Baseball. None of them made a living playing baseball. Some of them played in college, and that was awesome. But we talk about that trip 17 years later all the time. We talk about a reunion barbecue. We talk about re reunion times all the time. I want you guys to look in my background. I want you guys to look in the background of my office. I've got some really cool trinkets throughout the year, some cool bobbleheads. But if you look over here, right here, that is my trophy from the fifth place Constellation Champions at the Y World Sports Disney, and that's the only trophy I have in my office. I've played in national championships. I've played in super regionals. Uh, I have. I played. I played the 19U AAU national championship. I've had some really cool trophies. To me, the only trophy in my office is the one that we won for fifth place Constellation Champions in 2003 at the Walnut Creek Fighting Squirrels. So, to wrap up our day on travel ball. I want you to understand that you've got to pick the right program for you and your family, and it needs to be life-giving. It needs to be a great experience. It doesn't have to be about exposure. It shouldn't be about the most prestige. It should be about playing time, good experiences, great family time. And I know a lot of you already know that. I talk to families all the time that say, I paid the $10,000 this year and all the travel, and it was worth every penny because my family got to spend a lot of quality time together. We spent a lot of great family trips. So uh, just remember, though, that's my advice when it comes to picking a travel ball team. And today I want to leave you guys with this quote. Uh, if you're a travel ball coach, high school coach, college coach, I want to leave you this coach. Coaches, do you want a secret to success? Love your athletes. Show them every day a smile, high five, or a pat on the back is all it takes most days. The most respected coaches don't try to get athletes to respect them. They create a respectful environment by showing respect, trust, and love. Okay, that's my advice for the day. Thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone uh, enjoyed the show this morning. If you're just tuning in, we were trying to get to 250 uh, likes today and to 50 shares. I'm looking at the board right now. It says 723 likes. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the support for this show. Uh, I'm going to take the weekend off, but we'll be back Monday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, we did reach our shares goal. Thank you for that. And I will pick someone at random to send a signed copy of this book, Dear Coach. Check it out on Amazon. And again, I just really appreciate everybody uh, you know, tuning in and watching this show and supporting it and sharing it. And it would mean a great deal to me if you hit that share button and share it to your friends. Uh, and Maybe we can get more people to tune in on Monday morning at 7 a.m. So, Thank you, everyone. I appreciate you tuning in. Have a great and safe weekend, especially those who are returning to play. I know some tournaments are going on this weekend. Enjoy that time, but make sure you're social distancing and being safe as well. Thank you, everybody. Have a great